Well, good morning, everybody. I, I hope you um, enjoyed your new parking space today. I don't know if you saw it, but um, on, uh, sometime during this week, we had our car park um, resprayed, and, and there's an interesting story behind that, because right when Ash and I and JT were shooting that video, um, there was a, a gentleman out there with a, a truck and then a contraption spraying the lines, and, and, um, and one of us you know, went and said, Ham, uh, what are you doing? And he says, well, I'm spraying the lines. I'm like, um, but we didn't ask you to. He said, it's okay, someone paid for it. And, and uh, he said, it's your secret Santa. So, you know, first of all, I want to say thank you to whoever that was. If you're in this room or if you're watching online, we're really, really grateful for what you've done. And, um, you know, thanks for not telling us. <laughs> That's good. It makes the surprise and the joy of it all the more sweet. Um, but also, it's just such a kiss from our heavenly daddy, right? Because as, you, as we're literally filming this video about, you know, Lord, would you, you know, meet our needs? And we're saying our eyes are upon you. Um, he, you know, the Bible says, you know, ask not just for whatever you, well, he says, you know, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and all the needs, all your needs will be added to you. And his righteousness, all your needs will be added to you. Then he says, ask for whatever you wish in John 15. And so there's this principle of being able to, you know, trust the Lord for what we, what we need and ask him for what we wish. And, and obviously the Lord knew that we, that we needed a new car park, you know, lines. So we hadn't really even asked for it. But as we're asking and believing God with our eyes fixed upon him, he's abundantly blessing us before we've really even asked. So isn't God good? Come on. All glory to you, Jesus. All glory to you, Father. You know, it's so good that we get to be loved and cared for by an awesome and incredibly generous Heavenly Father. That He takes care of all of our needs. In fact, Paul's so confident about that, he says that my God will supply your needs according to, according to His riches in glory. So I want you to know that our eyes are upon Him, not upon each of us. Ash and I, we love to give, we love to sow into this church, we tithe, we give, but our eyes are not on ourselves, our eyes are totally upon him to meet all of our needs, because that's what he promises to do. And so, I, you know, let's just take another moment just to say thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm just reminded of that time, that story that we had uh, bef you know, back in our old building. 2012, I think it was, where well, actually in 2010, when we were moving into that building, the Lord said, I'm going to do something among you that when you think about it, you're going to laugh for two years. And a couple of years later, the Lord, as we got the opportunity to buy that building, and we, we signed on the line to buy the building, having, what, put down $50,000 and then uh, having to put down another $15,000 of cash and we could lose it all if we didn't complete it. I think we only had like five or six grand in the bank and the Lord supplied that. We signed to buy the building without a mortgage because no one would give us a mortgage and yet the Holy Spirit, the, the glorious Father, the one whom every good and perfect gifts, the Father of lights, James says, he's the Father of lights, every good and perfect gift comes from him and he supplied our need by an anonymous check in 
in the mail for $1,200,000, and then another check in the mail for $100,000, and then supply for us as a church family from our body to actually have 80,000 more than we needed to buy that building so that we could do some renovations. And it was in three weeks when we had 90 days to close. How good is God? So, so I hope we never stop laughing. Okay. I love this. There's a, um, I've been reading this book uh, on Brother Shumbach on miracles. And um, uh, he's just his stories and his testimonies. He tells this testimony of this guy who had spinal meningitis. And he was in, uh, in hospital. And the, the priest, he spent all of his savings. And he was about to die. The, he was a Catholic. The priest came in and gave him his last rites. You know, how many of you know that when you're a, if you're a Catholic and you receive the last rites, you're not in a good shape, right? You're not in a good place. Anyway, he says, another priest walked through the wall. And he walked up to him and he said, hey, you don't have any trouble. And he goes, what do you mean I don't have any trouble? This is in his mind. Obviously, he can't speak. What do you mean I don't have any trouble? I'm about to die. He says, you don't have any trouble. Have faith in God. Wow. Then he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get up. I want you to shave. I want you to wash. I want you to get dressed. And I want you to walk out of the hospital. <laughs> and he'd been in a coma for three months. And so the, the nurse comes in and she says, hey, 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 what you doing? What you doing? Uh, you should be in bed. And he said, the priest just gave you the last rites. He said, well, another priest just walked in the room and told me that I'm going to be fine, so I'm going home. <laughs> God, is, God is slightly bigger than we realize. He's slightly more powerful than we give him credit for. He's able to do a little bit more. I think that's what, that's what um, the Bible says. I think that's what Paul says in, in, um, in Ephesians chapter 3. Now our God, who is a little bit more able to do all that maybe we could ask or just maybe even, you know, just think about. Much more. Abundantly more. Exceedingly above much more. Not just what we ask, but what we can wish or imagine. And that's not to belittle going through financial difficulties. Okay? It's not that we don't have those challenges. We don't have those ups and downs. It's not that we just live from, you know, one sense of victory to another and everything is perfect and everything is rosy, but actually our God will supply all of our needs, which is not just our finances, but everything that we need because he is our source and our supply. So whether you need relational breakthrough, whether you need healing in your body, whether you need, another, you know, provision in your life, whether you need, um, whatever you need, Jesus is our source and our supply. I'm sure the guys who are online are all going really mad with joy when we can't hear them. So I, yes, thank you. Here's our source and our supply. Last week, I had the joy and privilege of just sharing about um, discipleship and about how, as a church, we're called to, to fulfill the great commandment, which is, Jesus said in Matthew 22, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, to, quoting Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. The Shema, remember that, that word Shema, which is here. Uh, uh, it starts off in that passage. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart 
heart, mind, soul, and strength. That word shema isn't just to hear, but it's actually to do as well. There's a dimension of, if you, if you, Jesus said, if you hear but don't do, you haven't really understood. You're like the wise man who built his house. Sorry, the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. But if you hear and do, you're like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. And there's this dimension in, 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 in our life, in our walk with God, about not just hearing but doing. And so to love the Lord God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, Jesus said this in John 14, if you love me, you obey my commands. If you love me, you obey my commands. If you love me, you will keep my word. That's what he says in John 14. And so we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, which is really our sort of sense of emotion and our intellect and our joy, you know, that, that place of, of who we are in our being. We're to love the Lord with all of our heart and our mind and our soul, which in, in Hebrew could also mean life with all of our life. In other words, our life of worship isn't just on a Sunday morning. Our life of worship is that we offer up our bodies as living sacrifices according to Romans 12 uh, and in, according to Hebrews 13, that we offer up praise from our lips. And then we love him with all of our strength, which can be translated all of our muchness. And everything, in other words, everything that we have, we love him and worship him, which includes our finances and our time and our relationships and our, our energy and, and, and our will and our emotions. We love him with all of those things. And we're not just to love our, uh, the Lord our God, but we're to love our neighbor as ourself. Who is our neighbor? Jesus said, everybody. People around us, our enemies, those that hate us. We're to love the Lord our God. We're to love our enemies as ourselves. And we talked last week about how we fulfill that commission, that, that sense of the commandment of loving each other, loving one another, loving those around us by fulfilling the great commission, Matthew 28, verse 16 to 18. In fact, so I want to start there. Matthew um, 28, 16 to 18. No, 16 to 20. And just by way of recap, and I want to, it's like part two of the message today. So verse 16 of Matthew 28, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Remember, Jesus is about to commission and entrust his mission of, to reach the whole world into people, some people that doubted him and some people that believed him, but he was happy to commission to both sets of people. We talked about that last week. Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations or ethne, ethnos, which is a people joined together by common culture and a common set of values. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, immersing them in the identity of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That bookend of Jesus here, he's saying, he's commissioning his people, he's saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. When you have all authority, when you've been given all authority, that authority comes for a particular purpose. You have a, you know, when you think about authority in, in, uh, in the army, the general has authority. It's not just so that he has authority, but that authority carries with it a general purpose to mobilize troops, to mobilize people, to organize them, to make things happen, to protect or defend our country or whatever, right? So there's, a, there's, a, there's that authority comes for a specific purpose. In this case, Jesus' purpose is to go. As you go, go and make disciples. As you go, go into all the world and baptize them, immerse 
immerse them in the identity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them towards obedience, not just knowledge. And behold, at the bookend, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I love that commission that we are that Jesus is always with us. And so we talked last week about how does the, the, the worth of Jesus go viral. What we're looking for is that the worth of Jesus goes viral, that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just like the waters cover the sea. And that passes from one person to another person, from, one per, from that person to another person, and it goes viral because of the person-to-person transfer. We should understand that even more nowadays in this pandemic, Right? And so we're to make disciples who make disciples, and and it's a calling for all of the followers of Jesus, and there's no doubt about it, it's a costly exercise for us. In chapter 9 of Luke and chapter 14 of Luke, Jesus says this, he says, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself, you have to take up your cross daily, you have to follow me, you have to renounce all that you have, you have to love me more than you love anything else, even your wife, your husband, your, your father, your mother, your brother, your sisters, your possessions, you love everything less than to the point where it's, Jesus said, it's like you hate it. Now, I don't think Jesus is literally saying, hate your brother and sister. He's just saying, take your love for me. Let that be the number one priority. And let everything else look like it's hate because of the fire and intensity of your love. So take up your cross and and follow Jesus. And that's the commission for all of us. As we follow Jesus into all the world is to make disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, and we see the worth of Jesus go viral. And we had uh, that uh, testimony last week of, of, of Merrill who discipled Rosa, and Rosa who discipled Nithia, and Nithia now sharing her faith with others at grad school, and that's those three generations of, of disciple-making disciples and the kingdom of God advancing in power and in glory. And I want to take a moment before I get into the rest of my message just to say a massive thank you on behalf of uh, Ash and I and Duncan and Kate and the team for all of you who have given your life away this year. There's many people that have given their life, you've given your life away to serve the, the, the needy and the poor, to serve those in your community, to, to lead a connect group to attend the connect group so that you can build connection and friendship with other people, to to lead a team here in this community uh, so that this this family, we get to to, to meet together because we need people on the cameras or we we want people greeting or we we need people taking care of communion or or whatever else it might be. Kids ministry and and all of those things. And, and, And we say thank you to those of you that have been on a team or leading a team. You've been giving your life away. Because coming into Christ isn't just into this place of fellowship and union with Jesus that we've now all come into because we've been now, you know, when we've said yes to coming, you know, to to having Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It's not just a place of where we get to receive. Jesus said it's better to actually give than to receive. And so we come out. And so thank you for being in that place of not just receiving, but then giving out of the overflow of your heart. Because we live in the overflow of who God has made us to be. And so thank you. And even if, even those of you, you know, if, if you're thinking, well, I didn't serve and I wasn't part of a connect group, you have given your life away, no doubt, to your kids, to your co-workers, to those around you, and we're really, really grateful to that. 
And I, I just want to take a, a, this, this next little while to just share a little bit more about what does it look like to be a disciple who makes disciples. In fact, I want to invite my friend David. David uh, Anderson, uh, he and his father lead, uh, own a number of businesses, both here in Wilmington um, and well, in, here in Cary and in Wilmington. And David um, has, as we've got to know each other over the last couple of years, David's got some incredible testimonies of what God has been doing through him in discipling people in his workplace. And, and I thought it was just too good to not hear from David. So David, oh. welcome brother, good to have you here. Thank you, Murray, yeah. thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I felt like I wanted to start with what I felt like the Lord was saying to the group here, and, and probably some of us more than others, but he said, there are no second-rate callings in my kingdom. Come on. And do you believe that? Do you believe that you are qualified by the one who sent you, not qualified by what you do or who signs your paycheck? You know, so I just really felt very strongly that you needed to know that he's qualified you and you're qualified in whatever you do, whether it's vocational ministry or it's business or it's teaching or government or whatever. For me, it's business. Um, Try this mic. That sounds a little hard. Okay. Is that better? Yeah. All right. Great. Um, so I'll start with a, with a testimony too. And um, just come up, stand together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> stand with me right there. All right. Come into the light. In the light. In the light, In the light. It is very bright, <laughs> it is very actually, bright. up here. <laughs> um, so I came to Cary about two years and three months ago. Uh, my dad and I bought some businesses up here. And when we came, um, we were in the transition phase, and we were learning the new uh, businesses, the new people, the new buildings, the new market. You know, it was just a lot to kind of take in. And we had just come out of Hurricane Florence as well in Wilmington, where for a brief time we were basically considered an island because the water had completely yeah. surrounded yeah. and you couldn't get in or out by road. And uh, just a very tragic time in a lot of ways, but so good how the Lord has uh, told his story through, through our lives and through our faithfulness to come here when he called yeah. us here. And so I have two lovely sisters who work for me. Um, I have over 800 employees altogether, but um, two lovely sisters who work for me as, as GMs, and um, they, we were all sitting in a meeting one day, and, and sometimes you just have to be available. Sometimes you just have to ask God, hey, God, what do you want to do right now? What do you want to say? Yeah. You know, no matter if you're in a meeting or, you know, whatever you're doing in your workplace, just give that invitation because he wants to come. And um, so I, I made that invitation to the Lord, and he gave me something at first for somebody else in the room, and so I just pulled her into another room, and we had a conversation, and uh, it turned out to be right on, and we prayed, and then she left, and I walked back into the, the conference room where we were, and the two sisters were sitting there, and I just said, who is your mom looking for? Which I know sounds like a very crazy question to ask, <laughs> but I just saw their mom, and I said, I saw your mom walking across the road looking for someone. And, and they both were like, we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and, um, and then so Claudia looks down and then looks back up and she said, I think it's Jose Luis. And I was like, well, who, who is Jose Luis? And she said, well, that was my mom's brother that she took care of and he died um, while she was taking care of him at three years old. And I was like, well, where is your mom? And she said, well, she's here, but she's actually um, in the psychiatric part of the hospital at Wake Med, and I, 
And at that moment, the Lord had given me something to give, and I could have just said, oh my gosh, I'll be praying for her. But I said, no, can you take me to her? And she said, yeah, I think I can do that. So we, we got in my car, and she got in her van, and, and I followed her all the way to the hospital. Got there to the, uh, to, to the hospital and walked in, and all kinds of things going on around me, you know, and spiritually you can sense some things. And we walk into the room, and I didn't know this at the time, but her mom was dealing with dementia and Alzheimer's. And at that point, she didn't know the names of her daughters, and she didn't know the name of her husband next to her. Um, she, she was completely unaware of a lot of things in her life, except she had one memory, one thing on her mind. And apparently, I didn't know this either at the time, she had had three straight nights of um, night terrors. Wow. And so she couldn't sleep, and they were trying to medicate her to get her to sleep, and she still wouldn't sleep well. And so we walked in the room, and Claudia was interpreting for me a little bit, and I just I looked at their mom, and I said, Jose Luis is with God in heaven. Wow. And, and she was rocking a little bit, not a lot, just a slight rock. And then you could just see a tear come down her face. Wow. And we prayed over her. And that night was the last night she dealt with night terror. She was released from the hospital. Come She's on, with Jesus. them. So come the on. family is actually back here. Oh, come on. <laughs> and, and there are so many miracles that have happened just with this one family alone. It's outstanding. I'll tell one more really quick. So Bella in the back there, she was in a, a tragic car accident and she was in the hospital. And my dad and I were together for only two times have we ever been together in the market together. And uh, we were at a meeting and somebody called us and told us, hey, Jeff and Bella, Isabel's daughter and son, they've been in a really bad car accident. And so we stopped everything at the meeting and we prayed there. But I just felt like I need to go, I need to go, I need to go. So I looked at my dad, I was like, dad, let's go pray for her. And uh, my dad being amazing as he is, he was like, all right, let's go there. So we drove to the hospital, had no idea if I would get a chance to go back there. Well, it turns out five minutes before we arrived, Isabel had said to uh, Soto, Bella's dad, I wish Davey was here to pray for my daughter like he did for my mom. Wow. <sighs> and so we, we walked into the hospital room and the doctors had given her 24 hours. She had most of her skull removed and, and her brain was uh, inflamed and sticking out. And, um, and they, they were like, we, we don't think she's gonna live 24 hours. And so we just laid our hands on her and commanded life over her and called the kingdom of God down on. on her body and on her life. And we just, we, we just settled that right then and there. And so then 24 hours later, the doctor said, well, it's gonna be 48 hours, but she's still gonna pass away. And, uh, and Bella is sitting back there right now. And oh, come on, such a miracle of what God has come done. On. Such a miracle. She's walking now, she's talking, she's, she's moving, and I'm believing for a full recovery in come Jesus' on. name. Come on, amen. Yeah. yeah, come on. And, and what's so beautiful about this family and why I wanted to tell this testimony really doesn't even have to do with the miracles. What it has to do with is Jeff. So Jeff, the, the son who was in the accident, he's become like a spiritual son to me. And, um, you know, we go out to dinners together and, I, and we've been on trips together, but I just love him and I just love telling him about Jesus and telling him I love him and, and walking with him in life and just praying for him when things are tough. Um, 
And I think that that's part of what it is about just doing life with somebody, just Come like on. Jesus did with the disciples. It doesn't mean it was always beautiful, you know. <laughs> there were things that happened, but he was always there. Yes. He was always Emmanuel, God with us. Yeah. And um, I think that's an important part of discipleship. So uh, I did want to share just a few more things that have kind of commissioned me, I guess, into really wanting to have spiritual sons. And so I have five that I, I really pour a lot into. And, um, and Jeff actually has brought me to one of them who also brought me to another one of the five. So it's actually all developed out of relationship. Come but on. There was a moment when I was watching Dan Moeller preach and I was on the front row and I was just absorbing everything. And he stopped his sermon and he looked me in the eyes and it was piercing. And he said, how will they know if we don't tell them? And he just stopped for a moment. And then, you know, it's almost like he was, the Holy Spirit took over him for like a few seconds and he looked at me and then he went back to whatever he was saying. And, and it marked me, it marked me that there are literally people that you and I encounter that won't know the love of God if we don't share it. And that's where you're special, you know, because Murray will not encounter some of the people that you encounter at your workplace. You know, Duncan won't, I won't, but you will, you know. So there's, there's something very, very special about that. And then... Um, I wanted, Murray mentioned a little bit about the difference between mentoring and discipleship. And I was thinking about that and I thought, you know, gifting in a lot of ways qualifies a mentor. You know, you go to a mentor because they have a skill or they're really good at something that they do. But I think that love qualifies a disciple. Come on, come on. And, and That's such a good word. <laughs> at, at the root of it is really just there are probably a lot of qualifications for discipling others, but at the root, I really believe that it's just that you follow Jesus. Because he said, come and follow me. Right. And then when you come and you follow him, then he says, go, make disciples. Yes. Yeah, but it starts with that call. So good. So yeah, so I would just leave with uh, be available, be interruptible. I was at the meeting that we went to to go pray for their mom. It was six o'clock at night, you know, it'd been a full day at work. I could have easily gone home. But be interruptible by God and by people because God wants to love on people through you. Invite them into your work and then go the next step with them. So, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so good, David. Thank you. I'm going to ask David to come back up in a bit, in a bit at the end just to pray for us all. But there's just a couple of things that I... I wanted to, to pull out. I, I, I love that. Gifting qualifies us for mentor, mentoring, but love qualifies us to disciple others. It's that great heart of love, isn't it? Jesus said, John, no, let me back up. 1 John 5, 1 John 4 says this, Brothers, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. In other words, if we have been born of God, which is, we, if, if you know Jesus, you have been born of God. That's what the Bible says. And you know God because the relationship it, it, with God is not just a, a, a one that is kind of one-dimensional or two-dimensional, but it is a living, interactive relationship. If you know God and you've been born of God, then you're going to love because love is from God. And then he goes on to say, if you haven't, if you do not love, you do not know God because God is love. 
And then he says this. He says, uh, in this, the love of God was manifest among us. In other words, it came to light. The, light. the light was shone upon us. And what we found was the love of God that was shone upon us. But it wasn't somewhere off in the sky, but it was among us. I love that, that you know, the, the, the word holy in, 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 the, in the Old Testament actually means to be set apart, to be completely different, to be off on your own, like set apart, not, not like anyone else. And yet God is the God who came into our world and was found among us. And we celebrate that Emmanuel over this Christmas time. We, we celebrate the incarnation, don't we? Jesus coming in the flesh to be not just the God who is separate, but now the God who is in human flesh living among us. And then he says, so, so the, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, not just manifest in the stars. You think about it, he could have just said, you know, look for the stars in the sky. There's going to be a moment where there's going to be these five planets align and, and this great thing that's going to happen and this comet that's going to go through and, and then you're going to know the love of God. But he doesn't say that. He says God was, the love of God was manifested among us, that, that he sent his son into this world that we might live through him. And so this is some, some keys there. It's the first is that God is the God who is among us. Now, because he's the God who's among us, he's through the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection, he's now the God who's not just among us, but he's, he's the God who's on the inside of us. He's the love, the source of love, the everlasting spring of love on the inside of us that's causing us to live out of the overflow and to live in that place of love. And if we don't feel like we have enough love, the answer isn't to go and try and get some more love. The answer is to tap into the one who is the lover, eternal love on the inside of us already, that he flows out of us into the life of you know, people around us. And he came so that we might live through him, not just that, not, you know, and there's kind of a two dimensions of that living, right? One is the eternal life that we will live and we won't die. When we die, we will just go to be with him in heaven. There's that eternal life dimension, but there's not just the eternal life dimension. There's the now life dimension. There's the living in Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, filled with the anointing of heaven, filled with the passion of Jesus, filled with the power of God, that we could love others come alongside others and show them the way of what it looks like to live with Jesus. And so how does that look, how do we look like and what does that look like for us in terms of being a disciple that makes disciples? And, and again, this isn't to put a heavy word on it, it's just to remind us this is what Jesus has called us to do. If you're a believer, this is yours and my job description, Right? We could say, well, it wasn't the job description if Jesus just told it to the people who believed. But he told it to those who didn't believe, who doubted at the same time. And he said, this is your job description. Go into all the world. As you go into the world, love like crazy. Come alongside people. Share your life with others, just like I've shared my life with you. And teach them, immerse them, help them to encounter God's transforming presence. Teach them to obey everything that I've taught you, and I'm going to be with you. You and I were born to help the world encounter God's transforming presence. And how did Jesus do it? And then how did Paul do it? Because we, we didn't just see Jesus do a particular model. We actually, if you look into the New Testament, you see Paul doing the same thing. And really discipling is three simple things. 
right? Everything should be simple in the kingdom of God, right? Church is simply this. Church is simply gathering together to encounter God's transforming presence. Church is to love each other and be committed to deep relationship. And church is, the third thing is this, it's to be on mission together to fulfill God's purpose and commission. And so how do we fill, how do we fill that discipleship? It's simple as this. It's to actually gather people, to love them, to bring them into a relationship with ourselves, to help them encounter God's transforming presence, to teach them what God is like, not just through our words, but through our actions and through the way that we behave and the way we live. That's why it's an up and close personal relationship. And then to apprentice them, to actually bring them into a place where they do what you do so that you can help them grow into all that God's called them to be. And we see this in Paul, right? So we, in, in, you know, it's not really obvious in Paul. It's pretty obvious in the life of Jesus. If you just look through, you, you may not point to a particular scripture, although we could in the life of Jesus. But if you look at the whole frame of his life, that's how he lived his life. He lived his life calling others into relationship with him, teaching them. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's, it will, it's the kind of the broad teaching to the whole crowd and the others, it's like the description and the inside track of this is what it's like, this is what I really meant, this is what it's like to be in the kingdom. And then he's bringing them into the great mission and, and you know, we see in places like Luke 9 and 10 where he sends out the 12 and the 72 to do what he's been doing. In other words, it's just not about head knowledge, it's about opportunity to be activated and so we see this in Paul's life, right? One Timothy, sorry, 2 Timothy 2, 2. He says to Timothy, Timothy, here's what I want you to do. Take what you, I, you've heard from me in the presence of faithful witnesses and teach others, men and women, other people. Your Bible might say men, but it, the word is anthropos in Greek, which means humankind, which means people, which means men and women. Teach men and women that they, faithful men and women, that they may teach other people also. Four generations of discipleship right there. Paul, Timothy, other faithful men and women, other people, right? He says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, he says this. He says, what you have heard and learned, sorry, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. What, he, what he's saying, Paul's saying, from an up-close and personal relationship. How do I learn something? How do I receive something? How do I hear something? How do I see something in you unless I am with you to experience that? But not just to experience that, but then to start to put it into practice myself. He says that. He says, what, Philippians 4.9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. In other words, there's a viral transfer from one person to another person. That's the joy of discipleship. 1 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17, it says this, I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. What's Paul talking about? He's talking about, hey, I've sent you Timothy because I've shared my life with Timothy. And Timothy is going to share his life with you. And he's going to remind you of what my life is like. And he's going to remind you not, by, um, not just by his words, but by his actions and by his deeds, by his very person and his very being, what I'm like. And I want you to actually then come into the very same thing. It's not just a doctrine. It's not just a teaching. It's not just to, to make disciples. It isn't just to stuff people with information. 
It's actually to come alongside and love people and, and, and it can be formal or it could be informal. It could be in a connect group setting or it could be in a workplace or it could be with one or two people or it could be with 12 people. It doesn't really matter how many people there are. It doesn't really matter what system, how, you know, it needs to be simple, right? There need, there's a bit of a structure, Paul saying, imitate me as I imitate the Lord. But it's as simple as, here's my life. Let me share it with you and let me teach you and help you to become all that God's called you to be. And when we do that, we get viral person-to-person transfer and the city gets transformed and the name of Jesus is made famous and our society and our culture is transformed. If we just teach people knowledge, their behavior may not change and therefore our culture will not change. But if we teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded, then their behavior will change ultimately and then our culture will change because as each one of us get hold of the truth of who Jesus is and we experience the life of heaven and our value system aligns up with his when we come to education or our workplace or uh, you know wherever we find ourselves if we're in government whatever that life starts to affect other people and they get transformed and they get be transformed to other people and the presence of God pervades the whole earth and the knowledge of the glory of God comes upon us Our mission and our calling is this. Our job description, if you like, is to go into all the world as we go, make disciples. Again, not a heavy word, but just a place of God's called you into relationship. Can you be friends with somebody else? I hope the answer is yes. Can you share your life with someone else? I hope the answer is yes. Can you teach them and help them with the hope that you carry? I hope the answer is yes that we would experience the life of God. Because Jesus is with us. Because he's filled us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we don't have to be a business owner with 800 employees to make a difference in one person's life. We have to be, we can be one person doing whatever we do, carrying the love of God to make a difference in one person's life. And Jesus is with us. The power of the Holy Spirit. You know, these disciples, they went from not being in a, having any clue and having no understanding of what to do on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falling upon them. And all of a sudden, what happens? They start to teach the people. They start to get into fellowship and communion, communion with each other. You can read this, in, read this in Acts 2 and Acts 4. They come into communion and fellowship together, and then they start to reach out to other people. And the whole known world is transformed by people who really don't know what they're doing, but are loving and being filled with the Holy Spirit and are carrying forth the mission of God. This is good. <laughs> Sometimes we set the bar too high, right? Sometimes we think, well, we've got to get to this point and then I can start to do something for the Lord. But the Lord just takes the willing. He takes the available. He takes the faithful. He takes the teachable. And he makes them reproducers. He doesn't take the super duper stars. No, what he takes is ordinary people and he fills them with extraordinary love and faith. Yeah. So I want to invite you to stand if you would. David, I want to ask you to come back up if you could, please.
You know, and the purpose of this, of making disciples, is, is actually just to be obedient to Jesus. And being obedient to Jesus is a sign of our love. Right? So, David, would you pray over us that we would receive that heart of love and that faithfulness and that availability and whatever else God puts on your heart? Yeah, just pray with me. Father, thank you that you've sent your best, that you sent your son, that you showed your heart by sending your son. So, God, I ask that you baptize us in that love. Ah. that we would carry the love that you've given with your son Jesus to the world. And Jesus, I just thank you that you have already called us. You have already commissioned us. So you are the door. You are the door to the Father. You are the door to the kingdom of heaven. So right now, God, those who need to be called, I ask that they would hear. God, and I ask that those that need to be commissioned, that they would go. Father, and right now, in the name of Jesus, any block, any hindrance, any uh, spiritual attack that would try to hold them back, we just right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, we cut it off, and we tell it to go in Jesus' name. We clear the path, God, because the path is clear. Jesus is the path, and he is the light to the path. And so, Father, we just thank you that they have a place to stand, and they have a place to go, and that they will see it, and they will not fall in any way. And we bless them, Father, to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.